Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within, and I'm your host, Elaine miller Karras. And today's show is entitled Empowering Voices to Build Resiliency. We are very fortunate to have on the show today Dr. Joy Ehrlichman-Miller, a leading international voice of building resiliency. Dr. Joy Ehrlichman-Miller is an internationally known licensed psychotherapist, professional trainer, and author. She is the founder and director of Joy Miller & Associates in Peoria, Illinois. She is the CEO, co-host, and promoter of Resiliency 2021, which she's going to tell us about in just a little bit. The largest conference about resiliency on the planet, Joy. Oh, my goodness, on the planet. The forum brings together inspirational speakers, empowering clinicians, talented artists, life-changing authors, and noted professionals, all dedicated to enhancing our ability to thrive. Her goal is to share creative and innovative strategies for dealing with the unexpected, earth-shattering events that have changed people's lives. She is mission-driven to assist participants to discover strategies for being grateful, finding purpose, examining personal meaning, and building resiliency. She's also a leading author in relationship um, issues and Holocaust studies. Dr. Miller's work has been recognized by numerous organizations, including the National Association of Social Workers. Wow, you were named the Citizen of the Year and the Center of Prevention Abuse Peace Award for Individual Achievement, the YMCA Leadership Award, and I could go on and on, but I think that's probably enough. You're getting the idea that we have a very accomplished person with us today. But I also want to let you know that um, she's written seven books, and the latest ones were Cancer, Here's How You Can Help Me, Cope and Survive, and I Still See Her Haunting Eyes, the story of a hidden child during the Holocaust. So, Joy, welcome to the show. I know you have so much wisdom to share with us. We've had some conversations leading up to today. But right as we're starting, is there anything on your mind that you want to talk about first? No, I'm going to leave this exactly to you. It'll go the way it's supposed to. Well, all right. So I always like to kind of clear the air if there was just something like, oh, my goodness, my my sink over uh, overflowed today and I've got water all over the kitchen. Um, so, so first of all, Um, I was hoping that you could maybe share a personal story of what's helped you get through difficult times. And I also, you know, was hoping that maybe you would uh, talk a little bit about what called you to study the Holocaust. Because I think from what we've talked about, these are interconnected. So, um, yes. They really are. And for me, um, being brought up Jewish um, in a small community, we always knew the survivors with in our community. And being Jewish, I went to Hebrew school um, most of my middle school years. And in those years, um, our, our teachers were both in Auschwitz. And the way that we knew it was not that they spoke about it, but that both of them wore short sleeve shirts every day. And on their arms, we could see their numbers. So it wasn't as though they really spoke about it, but they always seem to, as a child, be putting their arms in front of us as a reminder that something happened to us and that we needed to remember. Now, as a child, it was haunting. 
very haunting that this could happen to me. What would I do? And I started having nightmares as a young child. And my coping strategy was I imagined that if it did happen again, because I have blonde hair, kind of bluish eyes, that I would be able to pass as an Aryan. And then I started to feel this guilt. Um, how could I do that as a Jew? How could I hide? What would I, you know, what would that be saying about me as a Jew and leaving my parents? So there was always this inner conflict inside me. So this went on forever. I, I can remember having nightmares forever. And then when I decided to, to get my doctorate, um, I knew what my topic needed to be. I needed to find out how people survived and um, how they made it through massive trauma. And I knew it had to be with the Holocaust. Well, so as you're saying this, so when you were little and you were having the nightmares, was there anything at that time that was helping you to get through? Um, could you talk to some of the adults in your life or was it something that you kept more privately, the suffering that you were experiencing as a child? Because I, I just can see you had such an immense heart and capacity as a child to realize there was a magnitude of uh, the loss that had happened to your community? There was no no way to talk to anyone, Elaine, because if I talked to my parents, I, I feared being shamed for even having these thoughts and imagining that I would not stand up and just let it happen as a Jew and that I would try and escape. So the, it was something inside me. It was something that was horrifying, that was a trauma I could not share with anyone. And so when you were getting your doctorate and you said, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to look at the Holocaust. So you shared a story um, with me about going to the Holocaust Museum that was quite powerful. Could you share a little bit of that story? Sure. Um, I decided that I was going to look at the coping mechanisms of women um, in Auschwitz. And I was lucky enough to meet um, Joan Ringelheim, who was the head of the oral history department at the museum in Washington. And she was so wonderful. And she talked to me about coping strategies and that it was going to be a very difficult road for me if I decided to look at this specific issue. And she said, I want you to go downstairs. Here are the books you need to look at. So I followed her lead. I went downstairs to the bookstore. The first book I picked up, I looked at the index, and here was someone whose name was Rose Ehrlichman. And now I'm getting like oh, goodness. I'm getting goosebumps. But my grandmother's name was Rose. Obviously, my maiden name is Ehrlichman. I looked inside, and um, there was a story of this woman who had the same identical thing. Um, she had hid because she had blonde hair and blue eyes and felt guilt. And it was her story of what she did. And so through this entire event of me writing my dissertation, there were these ironic things that kept happening. I would meet people that would bring me, you know, somewhere that I needed to be. And it didn't make sense, but it all fit together. It was like the universe wanted me to be here and it wanted me to go forward. So the last 20 years, I've been working on what I called coping strategies, what's now in many ways resiliency, and looking at it from a lot of different angles, but mostly like you, Elaine, looking yeah. at massive trauma. And so when you, when you think about Rose Ehrlichman, 
the same name as your grandmother. Does, is there more about her that you learned that also inspired you? I mean, what a, what a, co- what a coincidence. Or I say, oh, this is serendipitous. This is like that higher power that I believe that's in our lives that sometimes uh, I call them God sparks that, you know, we can't quite explain them, but they take us on a course or a journey that changes our lives. Well, the Rose Ehrlichman in the book um, actually did not survive. So for me, that was another message of, I need to carry this message. There's a very strong emphasis for those of us who are Jewish to, to never forget, as you know, yes. and go forward and to tell the story. So that's well, part of it's, my story. It's almost like she was, as you're telling me it now, I mean, this is, these are my words. It's like she was speaking to you from the grave saying, you need to be my voice now, Joy. Yes, very much so. And, and I find that an honor. Yes. I do, because there is no way I would have ever, ever found that story unless I was led to be there. Yeah. So, so when you talk about this story, and if we can kind of segue to you are doing some incredible things in the world, and you have been for a long time. Um, I know that you worked with having women's conferences. And how did that lead you to um, this resiliency um, well, I know as 2020 was the first one online. So can you give us a little bit of insight of how, what was that bridge? How did that happen? You know, it's an interesting story because at first it was just like any other conference. We were doing a conference with, uh, in our, our town and um, we had about 300 people that came. They loved the event. We had various speakers and then the pandemic came. And so then I struggled with, what am I going to do? I already had speakers. I'd already paid for them. And the universe just said, go forward, but, you know, use this opportunity. And um, the first thing I did, I thought, I've got to find someone who's powerful to help me. And I knew Erin Brockovich. And I called her and said, Aaron, I've got this idea to do this webinar because everyone is hurting. They need strength. They need healing. You're empowering. Will you help me? And within a second, she said, absolutely. Tell me what you need. And from there, it just kept going. And celebrity upon celebrity just came to the forefront all the way to um, one of my dear friends who used to be the... um, uh, Secretary of Transportation, Ray LaHood, he worked in, and actually got our first lady, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, to be on our show. So we ended up with like 30 celebrities. But was what was so wonderful was everybody donates their time and their talent. Um, everybody gave of their heart. And it was real. It was not something that was planned or... Um, orchestrated. I mean, every single person, and Elaine, you were there, you know, everybody spoke from the heart, and it was so healing and so miraculous. Well, you know, the other thing that I thought was so interesting about it, um, um, I was also, I should say that I was a speaker on the first uh, Resiliency 2020, was that you gave us a short period of time. And so, to actually say something that's 
important to you in 10 minutes or less is not an easy task. And it was so empowering to listen to these amazing sound bites about people's lives, including Erin Brockovich, who, by the way, was it was there was a fire in her backyard, um, like one of those horrible fires we were having in California. And she continued the broadcast. I mean, you have to think, wow, that is one resilient woman. It was she was so resilient that her camera was even upside down on her iPad (laughs) and she did not stop. She did not stop for one moment, but every speaker was, it was almost as if they were more empowering than the one before them. It was just such a beautiful mosaic of voices and talent because we had singers, we had comedians, we had um, amazing huge names. I mean, Ariana Huffington, Julianne Huff, uh, Aaron Brockovich, we had Glenn Close. I mean, there were people just came from out of the woodwork to help heal our country. Well, and I think that was so impressive because I there were so there were thousands of people that attended and you seemed like surprised, like you'd say, oh my gosh, there's more and more people coming, um, changing the platforms, having to do things differently as more and more people um, started to come. And so that was in 2020. Um, but now you have another one coming up in 2021. And so can you let us know a little bit about, you know, why this webinar now is so important? I mean, 2020, of course, what you just said is very important, but 2021, we've all been through something this last year and we're heading into some, you know, some changes of the times. Many people are vaccinated now, um, but that doesn't mean that the pandemic is over. So how do you see 2021 maybe in a different way than you saw 2020? Or maybe they're the the same, I'm I'm not sure, so. You know, I don't know that this is going to be different, but as a psychotherapist, last year I felt like we were trying to connect and we needed to connect because we couldn't connect. So this was a way for people to come together to help each other. And this year, I feel like we're moving, as you said, through this pandemic, but we've had so much loss. We've had so much grieving. I mean, I'm sure like many other people, I lost one of my best friends very early in the pandemic. There was no way to grieve. There was no way to mourn because I couldn't go there. I I couldn't. I couldn't be there with my best friend and bury him in the way that I would have. Um, And I think that what we're going to find is this year, we're going to be talking more about loss and healing and how to take that and move us hopefully forward. Not that we're going to forget, but we've never, of course, been through this. But now we have, if we look at it, new strengths we have new power. We have, we have the ability to really change our lives if we choose. Well, and as you say that, you know, you and I have been having discussion about the word resiliency. And I've been asking all my guests, how would you def- define the word resiliency? That's a really interesting question because a year ago, I started the conference in tears, but I started the conference and, and I said it was um, bouncing back from adversity. Um, It was moving forward. I would not describe it that way now. Now I would see it as moving ahead because we'll never be back there again. We will never be where we were in 2019 ever again, but we will be ahead 
And I also see that we, for me, resiliency is a strength. And I hope that people will find what got them through it and they will be able to capture what what helped them be strong, even if they thought they were not strong, they still made it. Mm-hmm. So and it's I, not, it's a, I, so it's not minimize, minimizing their suffering. It's actually acknowledging that there has been suffering. And then now, how do we come to a place where we can acknowledge the strengths that we have on the inside yes. that helped us get through this most difficult time in many people's lives during the, the, during the last year? Because it wasn't only the pandemic. I mean, we, I think that we in America became m- more aware um, of the struggles of many of our fellow country persons of color and the George Floyd um, murder that we're now seeing. He's his, the person who's, a, who's a, the alleged um, killer is on trial. I think it started today. But I think that was a whole other part of um, an epidemic that has been going on in our country for a long time. And I do believe that it's more global for the first time, that even in our conference for the first time, we had last year participants from 69 countries. I'm sure we'll hit that number again, but this year we have global speakers because the world has had to come together and find their way. And I think the connections are what make that strong. And I need to go back, Elaine, if you don't mind, to the word strengths because sure, go right ahead. I know that there's probably people out there that are saying, no, I wasn't strong. I was depressed. I felt suicidal. I felt like I couldn't go on another day. But you did. And that's the key. Even in the darkest of the darkest days, you went on. Even if you were just minimally there, you did it. And that's the key. And I think one of the things that I certainly personally have experienced, sometimes my reactions to things during the pandemic have been uncharacteristically strong. I'll say that in a nice way. I say, we say in the models that I've developed um, in the high zone and sometimes saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I reacted in that way. But I think I want to acknowledge that we have been through something and many people have shared with me that they have felt more edgy. Or they felt more low at times. And there's been like a going between the two. I'm feeling edgy and anxious and I'm feeling, oh my gosh, I don't want to get out of bed. Is this ever going to be over? So I think even the acknowledging that we can go into those different states and then still, how do we get up and make breakfast for our kids? How do we, you know, get to doctor's appointments? How do we do what we used to do very publicly and along with a lot of other people, now we're doing it in a different way. And I think this is another thing to, to pay attention to, um, that that doesn't mean that you're bad, that you're, there's something wrong with you. It means that you've been through something. And I think there's an acknowledgement of that that you're really pointing out that's so important. Well, I like the way you said that because it is the awareness that, yes, we have done that. I mean, statistics from January show that 41% of of the population in America have had either anxiety or depression or both, which is a huge number. Huge. Um, Huge. But it's the awareness that says, okay, this is here. This is a part of me. And I think that very soon, perhaps in the fall, I think there will be the, I don't want to say freedom, 
but it will be the time for people to start to deal with the losses. You know, what am I going to do about my friend that died a year and a half ago almost? At some point, now I need to get with the family. Now we need to find a place to do what we couldn't do before. And everyone, whether it's losing your job or um, your job has now changed, your family has changed, or racial dynamics have changed, we all are now going to be facing loss because now we have the freedom to feel instead of just being on autopilot. And I go back to the, to the Holocaust. People just being there tried to get through it. They were in this state of just survival. But when they went through the march and, they, and then they were free, that's when they felt the real pain because then it was quote unquote safe and that's when it became devastating because then it all comes in like an avalanche. So we really can learn from what's happened in the past. I mean, I think you're making a very important connection right now because we may not be thinking that now the country's opening up. It's not just, oh, I can go to my favorite restaurant, but it's also, oh, I need to go see that family where my best friend died. I need to grieve in ways that maybe I was not able to grieve during the pandemic. And also the visibility of the people that we love, the survivors, and embracing them who are, we know as both of us psychotherapists know that this, the, the death is the death and then there's a suffering that comes after. And that when you're not able to be in relationships with others, that can make the suffering that much more difficult. And for me as a psychotherapist, it'll also be to help people now be kind to themselves because this will not be a time to be critical. This will be a time to be positive and to really see your strengths and what got you through it to, to feel confident that somewhere deep inside you, you have something that can take care of you. So I want to get back to what you learned in your, your dissertation when you said you looked at how the women survived. Is there anything that is coming forth right now from what you learned then and how that applies to what's happening now? Well, the gist, quote unquote, of my uh, dissertation was that women survived because of connections, because of love. And that that's how they made it through it. Now, that is much different than what men did, typically. Men typically did tasks, and they were able to survive because of that. Women built all kinds of connections. And then we have a pandemic where women don't have that connection. They can't be with their families or their best friends. So I think for women, this probably was especially difficult because it broke our strength in some ways because we had to find new ways to connect because that's the strength. That's my strength is connecting with other people. And I couldn't do it in the way that I was used to. Well, and we've all learned how to do things, you know, through Zoom and online in, in ways that we, we've never experienced. But yeah, that is an interesting topic that you just brought up because in, um, in the models that I've developed, we, call, we talk about something, a survival strategy. You know, we know there's fight, flight, freeze when we can't move. But women have one that's called tending and befriending. And we tend and befriend 
And what do we do? The paradigm or the, um, the imperative for women has always been, how do we keep the social group alive? How do we protect our children? And so that has been difficult. And if we haven't been able to do that tending and befriending, that's so inherent in what we do as, as women. Um, not to say that some men don't do that as well. I don't want to uh, say that's not true as well, but that is, that's been difficult. And I'm wondering if that women tend to have higher degrees of depression than men generally. Um, I wonder if that's also connected to the, the statistic that you mentioned earlier. I think it'll be interesting to find out. And I think a lot of those statistics we're not going to know for a while, but I think you're going to be right. Yeah. So um, I'm just wondering as well, um, I really want to hear more about some of the stories. I mean, when you talk about love, that it was about love, um, maybe there's might be a couple of stories that you might want to highlight for us that you learned in talking to some of the women. Because one of the things you also mentioned that I would like to address uh, when we come back from our break is uh, self-compassion. I think that's one of the hardest things I've grappled with in my life. I don't know if you've had that challenge, Joy, to be compassionate towards the self. It's much easier for me to be forgiving and compassionate towards someone else than towards myself. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about how you've cultivated. I'm assuming that you have cultivated self-compassion. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm trying to. Um, but it's, it's interesting uh, because the psychotherapist, we're always the ones ready to give compassion to others. But then when we have a transgression or a faux pas, it's like, oh my, how could I have done that knowing what I know? And I think it can be challenging for those of us that are in those helper roles. And I realize that many of our listeners aren't necessarily psychotherapists, but they've been helpers and they've helped others through difficult times. So I think that might be something you and I can explore together. Um, my sister with another mother, as I've said to you before, is that, um, and by the way, even though we have Miller in our last name, we're not related, even though I think we could be. <laughs> So um, we're going to take a short break. Um, We're going to take a short break. And when we come back from the the short break, we are going to hear more from this illustrious Dr. Joy Miller. And again, Joy, I love your name. You know, to say welcome, Joy, again, I get to say it again as we're going to go into our, uh, of course, you're going to be a person who's going to be cultivating resilience. I mean, how could you not? Thank you. I think my my parents knew. They really knew. They set me up. Well, you'll, I mean, there must be some stories about you being named Joy, the joyful one. <laughs> uh, let's share that, maybe. And, and here you are, spreading resilience around the world. I mean, this is just this is this is what, too too wonderful for words. I have to say. So we'll be back with um, Dr. Joy Dr. Joy Ehrlichman Miller. That's a mouthful, Joy. Yes, um, and we'll be back, and we will be hearing more from her, her wisdom. Um, I'm excited because every time I talk to her, I learn more about how we can think about resiliency, how we can think about our strength, and maybe think a little bit more about that love that you, that you learned about from the women who survived the Holocaust. Want to hear more about that and a little bit more about Resiliency 2021, and you're going to have to share with everyone here how they can come, because I think everyone could come. So I'm going to just hold that for a moment because you need to hear that when she comes back about how you can come to Resiliency 2021. All right, we'll be back in a moment.
become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life. Your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm here with Dr. Joy Ehrlichman-Miller. And she is going to continue um, sharing her pearls of wisdom with us about her work and uh, the work that she has done in the past and the work that she continues to do. So I think that we said right before the break that you were maybe telling us a couple stories of um, the love that you saw in the women survivors of the Holocaust. If there's a story or two that that stands out that you think that um, would be meaningful for you to share with us. I I think one of the most remarkable stories for me is my dear friend, Fritzi, who lives in Chicago. Uh, I wrote about her in my book. And um, she actually, when she went through the line in Auschwitz, and as many people know that when you come to the line, uh, Dr. Mengele was right at the front. And he decided whether you were in the line of life or the line of death. And everyone that was... 15 or under were typically taken straight to the to the gas chambers and were exterminated. So as she neared with her mother and uh, one of her siblings, someone said to her, say that you're 15. So when she got to the front, she lied and she said she was 15 and she was taken to the gift or to the line of life. And For whatever reason, she said to her mother, you're in the wrong line. 
And her mother listened, and she was immediately taken to the gas chamber. So Frissy was there with her aunt at 13 years old, and her aunt took care of her. And the year in Auschwitz, she was taken to a work camp, and she was the youngest of over 500, almost 600 women. And they had decided that she would be the one who would be able to share their story. And so every day they shared one tiny, tiny parcel of their bread with her. Now imagine, I mean, we're not talking a big piece. We're talking like a grain and they would put it in her hands. And her promise was that she would tell the story. And Fritzi survived. And Fritzi is now the president of the Holocaust Museum. And she has donated her life to telling the story and the connection and the power of women helping other women and what we can do when we care about other people. And she has spent her life telling the story and the importance of the Holocaust. And I think for me, this just, this is the remarkable strength to be able to go through the things that she did and to be able to not only talk about it, but to help other people and to continue to into her 90s to continue to tell the story and work to fight bigotry and racism and hatred in our world is remarkable. And so when you talked about strength during our first half an hour, this is what you meant, isn't it? The strength that she has it and is. continues to have. And when you talked about, I noticed that those, um, I can see Joy, so she actually put her hand in, a, in her fingers in a certain way that they each gave her a small morsel of bread. And so those, but that was 500 women, so that made, so she survived from those small morsels. So each little morsel is like within her. Yes. And she was able to then share their stories of their lives. And isn't that what we're all going to do? Yes. We're going to take the small morsels that everyone has given to us and hopefully pass that on. Because everyone has been like a gift of a little parcel. That's what I've taken from the pandemic. I mean, there's so many little parcels to be grateful for. So could you share a little bit of what you've taken from the pandemic? What are your little morsels that, you know, collectively... It's a much larger, larger piece. What are those little morsels? Obviously, the importance of family. Um, But also for me, it's been something that I wouldn't have imagined. I'm a very, um, I need people. I'm always around people. I get my energy from people. And I was not able to do that. Um, We stayed pretty much quarantine. My husband has cancer. So it wasn't safe to go out. It wasn't safe to be with anyone else. Um, And so for the first time in my life, to take an extrovert and to have to be an introvert, which was my greatest fear, I never thought I could be alone. And for the first time, I've been alone. And I've, I've learned to listen to myself. And to become centered and to be grateful and to feel okay with myself. And for me, it's been the greatest learning um, because I didn't push it away, taking care of everyone else. 
for the first time, as we talked about a few minutes ago, yes. I was able to be compassionate with myself. And that was new for someone who's nearing 70. So those little moments of, of aloneness, of silence, as an extrovert, were worth morsels that you didn't necessarily say, oh, well, I want that morsel, but it came to you. And that and we talked about self-compassion before the break. So you feel you are more able to be compassionate towards yourself than before. And instead of hearing that critical voice of you're not doing enough, yeah. you're not fixing this person, you're not taking care of that person, you're not doing everything. For the first time, I could just, not that I, not that I still didn't do things, but for the first time, I could be with myself and listen to my voice. And that was very new. It is that interesting. Um, Joy and I are, are, are nearly the same age and that we're uh, well into our 60s and, and getting these uh, jewels, these little morsels. I love that. I love that. This could be a good book, the little morsels that lead to self-compassion, right? <laughs> but learning these things about ourselves. And, and sometimes it comes from such deep humility, too. Almost the acknowledgement of, oh, my goodness, yes, there have been errors. There's been errors in my ways. But that when you say that self-critical judge that can beat us up, that is, uh, I think, as psychotherapists, we help so many people with. But that doesn't mean we have a, a wonderful uh, person, I don't know, part of us inside that can do some fair whipping on us when we, uh, and that can certainly, you know, bump us from our road of, of well-being in doing the work that's so important to do in the world. And, you know, as I say that out loud, it's really important for all our listeners to know this is not only the way of psychotherapists, but, you know, can you say to yourself, um, am I compassionate towards myself? Can I embrace myself and say, oh, yes, you're human. And yes, maybe this happened, but let's see, how can we learn from it? Can we repair it? Can we ask for forgiveness? Can we move forward? Or do we get stuck in repeating the same errors over and over again? Um, I think, I mean, to me, that's what we're called to do. I think as human beings, um, it's pretty um, possible to believe that we're not going to make errors in judgment at times or say something that we wish we would have said differently. But I guess the question is, how do we repair it? Can we repair it? Now, that's always been the big question. Mm-hmm. I, all I know is that this was an opportunity for me to repair some of it and for me, it was the opportunity to, I was always pushing, pushing, achieve, get this award, do this, do that. And this time the miracles came because I allowed them to come. Uh-huh. And, you know, the resiliency conference, I mean, it was a miracle because I was moving forward, but I allowed it to unfold the way it was meant to unfold. And just to marvel that the universe was allowing it to happen. I know that sounds really new agey to a lot of people out there, but I wasn't trying to fix everything. I was just trying to be with it. And so it was, it became plentiful. It almost sounds like you weren't tied to the outcome of what was going to happen. It was like, well, I'll do this. We'll see if anybody comes. And that, (laughs) and yet 5,000 people came. (laughs) Who knows how many are going to come this year? Well, you know, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the um, the conference. I think it's really important that people know how they can find out about it. I mean, how do they get there? 
Tell us a little bit of how you created this amazing event. Well, thank you for asking because we hope that everybody will join us. Um, It's very simple. You just go to resiliency2021.com and you'll be able to register. And um, as Elaine said, last year we had 5,000 people. We're hoping for 7,500 or more. If we have more, we'll just go to Facebook Live and and stream along there as well. But it's absolutely free. It'll probably be four hours. If you're a professional um, or or in the helping professions and you need CEUs, those will be free as well. Everything about this is free. Um, We're asking people to register, hopefully in April. It's no April's, April Day Fool's, no, let's start again, April Fool's Day joke. If you register by the end of April, you're also going to get some free things. So you're going to get free articles from Ariana Huffington, Dr. Brian Robinson, which I know that you know, some articles from me. And there's also um, one of our sponsors is giving away one year of Journeys of Meditation and a sleep machine um, as well. So people will be registered for that. So we're trying to um, do everything we can to get as many people um, engaged into this. Um, And I think you'll find it fascinating because it looks like this year, every three or four minutes, you're going to be hearing someone different. Um, And that's the allure of it, is that it's constantly moving and it's so diverse that you're just captivated. And that means we also amazing music. And we actually also did a lot of movement as well. I mean, it was, it was, you're not just going to be listening. You can also get out of your chair and move around if you want. Yes, we had Julianne Huff, who was the two-time winner on Dancing with the Stars, and she's just miraculous and she made people literally get up and do movement and she was one of the favorites of of the show we also had this outrageous violinist who does r&b songs i actually stalked him because i saw him online and uh his name is dominic hammonds and he blew everybody away i mean he's just captivating he's gonna be is he gonna be in 2021 too he is, along with... Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, so I hope everybody's listening to this. You're going to have four hours of rocking and rolling, too. Well, there's Alanis Morissette. There's... Um, we have... Um, gosh. Alex Harris, Omar Wilson, who's up for um, his his new song, Secret Garden, which was a remake of the old Secret Garden song um, that's topping the charts. We have Jack Cornfield. Um, I'm trying to think there are so many people. I know I'm just forgetting them all. Um, gosh. Oh, Dr. Edith Eager, who is an amazing psychotherapist, a logotherapist, but someone who is life-changing. Oprah said that she was the most life-changing person she had ever met. I guarantee you this will be life-changing for hours. Well, I, I mean, if there's if people aren't already like looking for it, as soon as they get off of this, they're going to go and try to find that website. So say it again, because I want we're going to say it again a few times. We um, it's resiliency twenty twenty one dot com. That's pretty easy to remember. Yeah. So is there you know as you think about the twenty twenty and I know it was such a tapestry you know watching and and being part of it the first uh, the first year, is there 
something that really came out to you about that? Is there some like overwhelming or like, you know, kind of macro thinking that came out of the being the person who helped put this together? But it's a pretty amazing thing. So macro thing. Yeah. What I think we it's talk just about a that? miracle. The miracle of what came. It was unexpected. It was unpredictable. And it happened. And I think everybody noticed that in the final moments of the webinar, because I think I fell back in my chair. You did. <laughs> exhausted <laughs> at the end of the four hours. Um, but it, it was about the power of people coming together and how many people just care about others. And once again, we are doing this um, for the for the globe right now, but also for first responders first, because the uh, webinar is free, but during the webinar, we ask for donations and um, the monies that we collect will go for first responders for their mental health needs. So I'm excited about that and it'll be well, well needed and well used. Well, so let me talk a little, ask a little bit about that, because one of the things that I thought was interesting um, this year is that you talk about global influencers and you are inviting global influencers. And can you tell us a little bit about them? Because they may not be well known to to our audience, for example, but they are doing amazing things in their countries. Can you tell us a little bit, give us an appetizer of what that might look like? Well, an appetizer. Well, first I started out with some a few people and then Elaine was wonderful enough to connect me with some other people, but some of the first people that I spoke to was a company in Canada that helps work with um, relaxation and meditation. And then I met some people from Australia who have an amazing resiliency program that you can use and it's through a computer and uh, it talks back to you, which is kind of cool. It's the best resiliency program I've seen. And then I actually met some people from Israel who have a book called um, Is Resilience and they talk about the different characteristics of resiliency that makes Israelis different. And then you connected me with someone from Rwanda, the Ukraine. Um, let's see, I think it was someone from Ireland. I'm and Jordan. And Jordan, I think. And Jordan, yes. And so we're going to have all of these people come together at the beginning of our conference and talk about quickly what they're doing in their country and what resilience means to them because people need to understand this isn't just something that's happening here it's happening around the world in various various ways and i and i want to reiterate again about you know sometimes when we think about resilience you know we know that sometimes i've mentioned this before on the show that Sometimes when people say, oh, you're resilient, it feels like more of a, a negative than a positive. That's not the kind of resilience we're talking about. And I, I think of, you're going to have Sam Habimana, who is the uh, executive director of the Rwandan Resource and Grounding Organization, RRGO. And Sam is someone I admire so much because he and his cadre of uh, fellow uh, crims, uh, community resiliency model teachers, and they all have degrees in psychology. He has a master's in public health. They go all over Rwanda bringing resiliency skills 
to Rwandans. And he sends me the pictures. He tells me the stories of now what's happened in Rwanda. For example, um, the prisoners who were responsible for the genocide are getting out of prison. And how do the prisoners now who, who were the perpetrators of the genocide, how do they get along with those who were victimized? I mean, I think it's the same questions probably that you also saw with Holocaust survivors of the Holocaust in, in, um, during World War II. Um, but those questions about how we cultivate um, wellness is so important because it's how we create communities again when there's been so much suffering. What can help us not have to repeat the past? Otherwise, I think we can see the past can happen very easily again. So I know that Sam is a very um, big proponent of that as he sprinkles wellness skills all over Rwanda with his cadre of, of uh, colleagues. But I'm just wondering about if you have any thoughts about how resiliency skills and the work that you're doing, how does that connect to hopefully the past not repeating again in terms of your, the origins of your research about the Holocaust? Well, I, I really believe that people that are resilient, if I can use that word, yes, typically are not pessimists. They're optimists. They're always looking for the good in the world. Um, when we repeat our errors, we become very negative. We're looking for all the things that are wrong. We're looking for ways to divide. Resilient people are finding ways to move forward, to... to take adversity to take strength and and move it forward there can be adversity but they take the strength they move it forward and they don't look at all the things that are wrong they use humor they use perseverance they use connections and and they move forward so just like what you're talking about Samuel he's making connections he's moving yes. forward He's taking people who persevere and they're moving. They could spend time still fighting about the past and looking at all the negative, but the way to, to heal is to move forward. So this reminds me, people who listen to the show know that I always say, what else could be true? What else could be true? And this is what else can be true. When you talk about your friend who took all the morsels of the 500 women and said she would say, tell their story. So the story was one of strength and courage and compassion and connection, just like what Sam is doing right now. So this is incredibly important that we really listen to this because I think we're living right now in very difficult times. We've seen more vitriol and hatred than I think I've seen in my lifetime expressed, although I want to be very um, cognizant of that many people who are listening have lived this way more than the last few years, but I think they have been... Um, more dynamically spread. And I think it's a time that we have to cultivate this, which is one of the reasons why I appreciate you so much, Joy, that um, true to your name, that by spreading this joy of the strength and courage that is available in each one of us, that it has a tendency to grow. It, you know, I, I wish there was a better work, you know, because we know that a virus can be a pandemic, but I think goodness can be a pandemic too. Um, because what happens to me when I listen to you, I feel a warmth all over my body. I feel like you are walking in such compassion and spreading um, your view of strength and resiliency that it's already spread to me. 
and how that is going to come to other people as they listen to the show and also with your with your wonderful Resiliency 2021. So we only have a few minutes left. So I want to see if there's anything, parting word, that you would want to say or a statement to really have our listeners take home with them today. Well, I think... Right now, what keeps striking me is that you're saying all these wonderful things about me, but everybody that's listening, we all can do this. We all have endured. We have all gained something. Even if we're still going through adversity, we need to impart our wisdom around and to other people, and we need to build connections. Once again, we need to get out when it's safe and build our love again and reconnect so that we can be healed. So as you say that, I'm going to ask you a question that I often ask people about what they notice on the inside. So what do you notice as you say that? Inside, do you notice anything? Your muscles relaxed? It almost like there was something that traveled across your face as you said that out loud, Joy. I'm close to tears because I really want us to not forget this time. Yeah. It seems that we we keep forgetting. And the opportunity is here and I hope we don't. I hope that people will see how much they have endured and survived and thrived even if it's been hard and the importance of connections. Well, I'm just going to invite you to notice those those tears and that your hope for everyone that's listening. And thank you again for your wisdom. Um, I'm going to remind everyone, if oh my goodness, throughout this entire show, remembering what else is true in your life and how you yourself can spread this to yourself and to others. Remember when we pay attention to what else is true in our own lives, sometimes it does cultivate greater compassion within ourselves, and then that tends to spread out to others. Um, and I also want to remind you that um, next week, we will have uh, two amazing women, Rena Patel and Kimberly Wong, who will talk about um, what the Asian American community has been experiencing of late in terms of the discrimination and, but most importantly, how they're getting through and what is helping them get through. So again, um, thank you so much, all, all that are listening. Thank you, Joy Ehrlichman Miller my sister with another mother for being here. And I know we have more things we're going to be doing together. And remember, resiliency2021.com. Register today. You want them to register in April, right? All right. Absolutely. Thank you for the honor of spending time with you. Oh, it's always an honor to spend time with you, Joyce. So God bless you always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon.